Welcome to That's What He Said, a respectfully irreverent podcast from the anxious, enthusiastic mind of full-time writer and part-time influencer, me, Emma Golden Miller. As a self-proclaimed open book, I started my blog, emmasthing.com, in 2010 so I could share my every random thought, story, and opinion about life with total strangers. But the blogosphere has changed over the years, so now I share all those thoughts, stories, and opinions on this podcast. Every week, you'll hear about what the hell I've been doing, stuff I'm enjoying, and deep thoughts on every topic under the sun, from relationships and career to health, fitness, fashion, and beyond. So let's fucking go. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. I am sitting here eating this really just pretty gross protein bar. Um, I feel like most protein bars are pretty foul, and I've tried a lot of them. This one is by Quest, which are, I feel like, exceptionally grotesque. And I got them because I think I was at Target like a month ago, and I was fucking starving. And just desperate. I was just absolutely desperate and desperate times call for desperate measures. And so I grabbed this box of these mini chocolate chip cookie dough quest protein bars. And I don't know how I've eaten almost the entire pack over the last month. I mean, like, basically referring back to last week's podcast about, you know, diet and exercise and protein and calories and all the things. You know, I I'm trying to put protein first and so this is a perfect example of just like I'm not enjoying this at all. I'm literally eating it because I know that it's the better choice for me to do right now in this moment and when I'm done recording, I'm going to actually have lunch. But anyway, I just needed something to tide me over. Hi. I bet you didn't know I was going to open talking about a fucking protein bar, but here we are. So much great feedback from the episode last week. I'm really happy that, uh, you know, those of you who reached out to me seem to enjoy it a lot and got a lot from it. It's a topic that, you know, I just feel like I could talk about for a long time because I'm also just so aware of how much it ebbs and flows and how seasons in your life change and directly affect your relationship with diet and exercise. But it just felt really good to share all my thoughts about it with you and talk about my own journey and kind of how I've started this year off. So anyway, thank you so much for listening. Today's focus is actually going to be based around an email that I got from an avid follower and listener of the podcast all about this de-influencing shit. Not shit. I shouldn't call it shit because like the actual message and point of de-influencing is very strong. But per usual, as with like any good thing in life, there are people who are using it uh, for their own gain and manipulating the actual meaning of the uh, movement. And um, I just got this like really, really interesting email and it kind of like fired me up and made me want to speak my truth about everything 
about everything. So stay tuned for that. But for right now, let's get into what the hell I've been doing. Okay, so still eating this disgusting protein bar. Um, So last week on Wednesday, Zach and I went with my parents to see the Moulin Rouge musical here in Dallas, which I think they're gone now. It's like a traveling show. I was and am obsessed with Moulin Rouge. Like when it came out, I think it was 2001, and I was like a freshman in high school, and I saw it with my best friend at the time, and we were so obsessed. Like I still very vividly remember sitting in the movie theater watching it, and I have been obsessed with it ever since. I just think it's such a phenomenal musical film, and nothing like it had ever been done before, and it's just so unique. So I didn't know that it had become a Broadway show. And then my mom basically reached out a couple months ago and was like, oh, my God, it's coming to Dallas. Would you and Zach want to go? So we went to Fair Park to see the show, and it was absolutely phenomenal. Like, (laughs) Zach is not well-versed with musicals. I am Jewish, so I am. That's just like a rite of passage with the Jewish culture. Like, you are... uh, 99% of Jews that you meet are going to be very well versed with musicals and obsessed with either all of them or at least a good handful of them. Zach just hasn't really seen a lot. So getting to go with him and watch his reaction to the musical was pretty magical. He was legitimately in awe the entire time. And he just thought it was absolutely incredible and I don't know how anyone couldn't like the set design was insane the talent was insane the the guy who plays Christian in this traveling show which was Ewan McGregor's character in the movie is so fucking good like I I've never been that uh, like blown away by someone's singing voice before I've never heard anything like it he is so insanely talented it's stupid and what was really cool is that they pretty much followed the plot of the movie script but they updated a lot of the songs because they're trying to make it more you know in the now and present day and I thought that that would really upset me but they had a ton of mashups and snippets of modern day songs that were just so well done. The one that stands out the most is they did a mashup of Crazy by Narles Barkley and Rolling in the Deep with Ad- by Adele. And it was, I never realized how much those two songs uh, kind of sound similar. So if you're not familiar with the crazy song, which I'm sure that you are, but it's been a while since it's been like on the radio. Um, that one is, I think I'm crazy. I think I'm crazy. Anyway, that mashup sounded 30,000 times better than what I just did. It was just, the show was just incredible. So if you live in a big city where maybe it's traveling to and uh, you're able to get tickets and go see it. I cannot push you enough to do that. It is a fabulous night at the theater. You will be absolutely blown away. So then on Thursday last week, Amy Afast and Jackson was in town literally just for one day and one night. 
And some of you may not already know this, but I know Amy because Whitney and Amy were roommates um, out of college for like four or five years. And so that's how I even came to meet Amy like 12, 13 years ago. And Amy and I became really good friends, uh, you know, pretty much right away. And so while Amy was in town, she wanted to see Whitney and the baby. And so me and Amy took uh, food over to Whitney's place on Thursday night and we got to hang out and catch up. And that was really lovely. And then on Friday, Zach and I had a date night. We went to Clifton Club, which I have mentioned on here before. It's basically my favorite place in Dallas to get a cocktail. I I would say right now, but like I just, they make really fucking good drinks and I don't see the point in trying to find anything better. Uh, You know, it's rare when something sticks around in Dallas that's trendy, but I just, they have that kind of staying power and I hope that they never go away and they never stop making incredible drinks so we got a drink before dinner and then we walked basically across the parking lot to go to dinner at this little bistro called Beverly's that's owned by the same Clifton Club people and we sat at the bar and had dinner and it was a wonderful Friday like we had such a good date night and I think we both needed that last week because pretty hectic and kind of busy and we didn't get a lot of like concentrated one-on-one time. So that was nice. And then Saturday turned out to be a very lazy day, which I can't remember the last time that we've had one of those. I mean, we worked out, like we got up, I made us breakfast, you know, we had NCAA stuff going on and we took a break to go to the gym. And then when we got home, Zach went out in the yard because it's that season. He's back out in the yard trying to get things ready for spring and summer. And I pretty much spent the day on the couch. Like at one point I did get up and I went to the Peloton and I did a 45 minute walk. But other than that, I was pretty much on the couch for most of the afternoon trying to make some freaking headway with the lessons in chemistry book, which I'll talk about in the next segment. And we ended up going to kind of a late dinner at our favorite Tex-Mex spot in town. And You know, I don't know if it was because I talked about, you know, how good my balance with everything has been last week on the podcast or what, but Saturday night, I just, I kind of felt like indulging a little bit and I got a swirl margarita, which is a frozen margarita with like a swirl of sangria in it. And it was, that's, normally that's not something I would do because I know that (laughs) that's a very indulgent drink to get. And I didn't just get one. I ended up getting two because they uh, do to go drinks. And I was very pumped up, very buzzed and very excited to be able to get a swirl margarita to go. And I did not share it with Zach at all. I drank it all on my own. And pretty much as soon as I took the last sip was like, you know what, I'm going to take a shower um, and go to bed. And the only reason that I took a shower, and I feel like this could be a topic of conversation in a future podcast, just about like the small workarounds that women have to do to fucking survive and not be miserable all the time. The only reason that I took a shower that late on Saturday night is because I fucking hate washing my face so much. Like washing it in the sink is literally 
the bane of my existence. I absolutely, I mean, I think you'd be hard stretched to find a woman who would disagree with that statement. It's just the absolute worst. And even if you get like freaking towel wristbands for when the water's dripping down your arms and all of that and try and set it up in a functional way, it's just terrible. And I just had the bread idea on Saturday night to put on one of my massive shower caps that covers every inch of my hair and wash my face in the shower and then feel all warm and cozy from the shower and go right to bed. And honestly, it was pretty lovely. And then Sunday, (laughs) my God, I can't believe I'm sharing this with you guys. Um, And I only say that because I haven't told, like by the time this comes out, my mom She'll know Thursday afternoon and then my best friend who I'm going to visit this coming weekend will know on Friday and I don't think that she's going to listen to this podcast as soon as it comes out. So like I think we're okay. But um, I I got a tattoo. (laughs) I got a fucking tattoo on Sunday and I don't like clearly I'm still not over the fact that I did that um just like some quick background about tattoos and the Jewish religion you know you know I feel like probably with any religion if you're on the orthodox side of it and you're very pious there's quote-unquote rules about not doing anything to alter your body, whether it's like piercings, tattoos, what have you. And I think especially in Judaism, it's looked down upon to get tattoos because of the Holocaust and how our people had numbers tattooed on them to identify them at concentration camps. However, I saw my therapist back in January, February, it was, you know, I see her, I see her pretty consistently, but it was one session where I was really upset about whatever I was upset about and, you know, going on to her and she explained something to me with this drawing and the drawing spoke such volumes to me and it hit me right in the feels and ever since I hadn't stopped thinking about the drawing and I was so obsessed with it that I was drawing it on myself like every few days and when I met my parents for dinner um, a couple of weeks ago I had the drawing on me and my mom was like what's this about and I told her like the meaning behind it and was saying wouldn't it be a cool tattoo and Although my parents have always been vehemently, vehemently, I don't know how to say that word, against tattoos, uh, both for religious reasons and just like in general, they are also the most unpredictable weirdos in the entire world. And they were like, get it, literally get it. If that is going to help ground you and help your anxiety and something that you can look at every day to get you in the right headspace, 100% get it. And so I fucking got it. And um, I'm going through a lot of emotions about it. Like, I feel like I'm going to be smited by God. Um, 
my dad, he was really funny because he was like, yeah, I get it. You know why? Because you're going to be cremated anyway. <laughs> like it doesn't matter, <laughs> which also, let me tell you, in the Jewish Jewish religion, you're not supposed to get cremated. So, you know, basically, like, we're very reformed Jews. And so with their blessing, I felt very confident. You know, I'm almost 36 years old, but, like, was I seeking the approval of my parents to sign off on this tattoo? A hundred percent. And I'm, I'm purposely not telling you what it is because I'm still working on the best way to explain it to people. So give me a second on that. But, you know, once this podcast is published and especially once it's Friday and like I've told all of my friends and my family knows, then you'll probably see it slip into my Instagram stories because I talk with my hands so damn much. But it's on my wrist. Sorry, I should have said that. It's on my left wrist. And it's just a very simple line tattoo and I, <laughs> I'm like looking at it right now. I just can't believe I got it. Oh my God, what the fuck? Um, so that was a really exciting Sunday. And, you know, I had this tattoo. I looked really cute. I loved my outfit. And I refused to go home after that the tattoo was done. And so Zach and I went to um, Truck Yard, which is this really, really cool outdoor bar in Dallas. And there's really nothing else like it. Like it's very Austin vibes. And um, they just did this like whole revamp and the bathrooms and the bars and everything like the setup is just a lot better. And I feel like it was their reopening weekend because it was super, super crowded. But we had a blast and had a couple beers and celebrated that I'm like a cool girl with my tat. And that was the weekend. So, okay, let's get into what I've been reading, watching and listening to. So I sort of mentioned that I was trying to make some headway on the lessons in chemistry book that Ellen and I chose for our March book of the month. You guys, I'm just going to be really honest with you. I I, I don't have enough time to finish it <laughs> in time for the last episode of this month. Plus, I've kind of changed the last episode of this month because I'm going to be interviewing the friend that I'm going to visit this weekend. And I don't, we're not going to have space or room for uh, a book chat. So if you are reading Lessons in Chemistry for book of the month, hold your thoughts and I'm going to try really, really hard to get it finished so we can talk about it at the beginning of April. But I just wanted to put that out there. As for what we watched last week, so we watched a lot of the show called High Maintenance which it's an old show and it started out as a web series that was eventually bought and turned into an actual show on HBO. But you can see all of the old web episodes on HBO plus the ones they created for HBO. And they're really short. They're like six or seven minutes. And the premise is literally that the main guy who you don't know his name, he's just the guy. He is a weed dealer in New York. And it's truly just about all of his customers and the lives that they live and telling very short stories about just the type of people who smoke weed in New York and how there's so much going on behind the scenes that only he gets to see because he is their weed dealer. And it's usually really weird uh, fucked up situations but it's so good and it's so well written and you can just 
blare through them. And I'm kind of upset that it's still not being made because it really was just like such a freaking clever show. We also watched on Hulu this documentary about the Dana Carvey show and how it failed royally and why it failed royally. You know, Dana Carvey is one of the greatest comedians of all time, and he had so much fame and so much success from Saturday Night Live, which he was on for years. He was like the most popular comedian on that show while he was on it. And when he left, it's like they wanted to figure something else out for him to do. And so he got his own basically sketch comedy show and it literally only lasted seven episodes and they canceled it and there are a lot of reasons why and I don't want to give it all away because I really if you are a comedy nerd like I am and you're into that sort of stuff it's definitely worth a watch my biggest takeaway from it is you guys know how I feel about The Office and you know how I feel about Steve Carell like to me he is the most likable person in the entire world he can do no wrong he's just a gem of a human being and the Dana Carvey show is where he got his big break like literally just from those seven episodes him and Stephen Colbert were both hired to be on the Dana Carvey show and from there they got noticed and they went on to be on the Daily Show and then they went on to do their own things and anyway it's a quick watch and it's really funny and it's you know behind the scenes interviews and if you're into like the entertainment industry and comedy and everything, like like I said, it's a really good watch. And then the only other thing that we tried to watch <laughs> is this new Dance 100 uh, reality contest show on Netflix. So it's hosted by Ali Love, which is one of the more popular bike instructors for Peloton. And I've heard really wonderful things about her, but I've never taken her class because I don't do the bike, but she's hosting it. So that's cool and like a great career move for her. But we put on the first episode and legitimately lasted a minute. Like we couldn't even get through the intro because it was just, we were so bored right away. And maybe we weren't in the right space. We probably weren't. I'm willing to fire it back up because we truly didn't give it a chance but it's basically about choreographers like the next big choreographer and they start out you know uh, choreographing a team of five dancers and then 10 and then 20 30 40 whatever until they get to choreographing a hundred dancers and then whoever does that the best wins I mean I love dance so much and it gets me really hype so yeah, I mean, I'll I'll probably I'll probably try again, but it didn't grab us right away. And then lastly, for what I'm listening to, so if you follow me on my MS Thing Instagram, you probably saw that I created a Taylor Swift Eras Tour playlist based off of her set list. And I've been listening to that. <laughs> I've been listening to that. Um, I'm sure that like a few of the songs are subject to change per city, but it's pretty much exactly what her set list is. And I will link that in the show notes if you want to go follow that. I'm going to her show next weekend, um, Friday, March 31st here in Dallas. She's going to be at the Cowboy Stadium and... Uh, I'm very, very, very excited. And then I haven't listened to this week's JK Rowling podcast episode yet, but I will say that the last 
the last one or maybe the last two, it's like when they start really getting into the tweets that she published and the her why behind she why she did. And, you know, I just honestly, my biggest takeaway right now is like, I just don't understand why she cares so much. Like, I don't know. I mean, I get being a feminist and, you know, having it really hard as a woman. Like, women have it really fucking hard. Like, the shit that we have to go through and, uh, you know, just all the extra things that we have to do to climb ladders and make ourselves known and have a seat at the table and all of it. And, like, I know she was in a super abusive relationship and all of that. It's just, I just... I don't know. To me, it's just such a, it's just such an odd soapbox to be on and to hang your hat on. And I just don't, I just don't get it. I don't get it. I mean, and again, like this podcast is not making a case for or against her. It's literally just about the situation. Um, And I think they've done a really, really good job with that, especially like the last episode. They ended it with, it was a trans woman she was talking about I forget like she has some serious accolades and she was basically like talking at JK Rowling and sending her a message like you are hurting us by doing this and I thought that was really powerful anyway I'm definitely going to see this podcast through because I want to I want to know kind of how it concludes but yeah I'm just kind of like why 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 you know And then the last thing that I listened to last week, this is super random, but I was listening to Miley Cyrus's new album. And then I was like, you know what? I don't think I really know that much about Miley Cyrus. Like, I don't know a bunch about her background. Like, obviously, I know about um, Liam Hemsworth and all of that, but I don't know. I don't know. So I decided to Wikipedia her and I was like reading all of her shit and all of her personal life and everything. And it had said on her Wikipedia page that she was a vegan and then she, because she wasn't getting nearly enough like omega-3 for her brain because of her veganism, she essentially had to become a pescatarian and she got a lot of heat for that from like the vegan community, which, oh my God, get over yourselves. But she, and it, like it said that she talked about it on a Joe Rogan episode from 2020 and like, I don't listen to Joe Rogan. I I don't listen to him but I was like "Ooh, I know how he interviews though and I know that like these celebrities come on and are so open and say a lot of stuff that they probably wouldn't to anyone else and so I decided to listen to that episode and it was two hours but I listened to the entire thing y'all Miley is fucking crazy (laughs) she is that girl is she's she's crazy um It was a very, very interesting listen because, I mean, it's Miley fucking Cyrus on the microphone. Like, she's literally a mega superstar. And it was just so interesting to hear how she communicates. And she's done so many drugs and had such a wild upbringing and also carries around a lot of guilt for how famous she is or like how wealthy and well-off she is 
And she talks about that. And I thought that was really interesting. And I don't know. I mean, it was absolutely fucking bizarre. And if you haven't listened to that and that it sounds like something that you want to witness with your ears, I, I suggest it. It was just, it's a wild two hour ride, a wild two hour ride. All right, before we get into my de-influencing slash influencer rant for today's episode, let's take a short break and listen to the literal only sponsor that I have. Okay, so basically I had an epiphany within the last few days and the epiphany is this. I am not an influencer. I am a writer and a content creator who has influence but I don't make a living off of influencing. And I am very much wanting to move away from being referred to as an influencer because it does have an incredibly negative connotation. And especially for me and what I consider a true influencer to be, I want nothing to do with that. So if you are at all, you know, into the influencing world of social media and TikTok and all of it, which like, honestly, you guys, I barely am. I do not follow influencers. Like the influencers that I follow are my friends, period. Like friends in real life. Other than that, I'm not in in the habit of following just like a bunch of the same fucking whitewashed cookie cutter influencers like they stand for nothing I stand for and I couldn't be more opposite than all of them but if you are into that um, or at least like maybe you aren't into it but you're aware of it you might know that there has been this whole trend going on with de-influencing. And you also might know that there has been some influencer drama happening over the last week. And so I'm going to read you this email that I got from uh, a listener that really just like made me think and made me want to respond to it during today's episode. Okay, so here's the email that I got from this listener. I was just going down a deep rabbit hole on TikTok about influencers and de-influencing and felt like I wanted to reach out to pick your brain on all of this. If you've already talked about this and shared your opinion, I totally missed it and want to apologize in advance, which I did not. So she goes on to write, I was watching the Rogue Essentials TikTok videos and was like, mic drop, oh my fucking God, this is also true. She talks about how she's created a case study about de-influencing and how a very famous influencer i.e. Dallasite, Danny Austin, and those alike, are pushing fast fashion, etc. to their followers, aka consumers, when all this craziness is going on in the world, like extreme waste, unfair wage crisis, global warming. Her videos also touch on how it's hard to break out of influencing to a fast fashion audience and into other avenues and businesses. I feel like I have suddenly woken up and I'm like, wait a minute, what's going on? I love seeing these people's family pictures and happy moments, difficult ones too, because it's nice to relate and realize that not everything is rainbows and butterflies. But why are they posting about yet another Amazon find every hour? I don't need that. Who's falling for this? At the end of the day, if you're profiting off sales, it's a marketing tactic. You don't just have a page to connect with people solely. Influencing is their now career and means of profit. 
For those with millions of followers and constant videos from sunrise to sunset, it seems so exhausting, and I sense an unveiling to the truth behind the scenes to influencing coming. I've listened to Danny Austin's old assistant of three years, Cassidy, talk about on her TikTok how awful it was to work for Danny and her husband at the time, and I'm sure that hundreds of other influencer employees are overworked, underpaid, and unjustly treated present day. Meanwhile, influencers are making more funny dance videos and shoving more fast fashion hauls in everyone's face, and people are just eating it up without thinking twice. Is anyone else thinking this but me? I'm in no way saying that Danny Austin herself is a bad person. It's the brand and image of really all quote unquote influencers that's so interesting to me. The TikTok page that I suggested you watch goes into detail about this. After binging all of these videos, I started reading the comments and most people were very defensive over said influencer and could not believe that she would ever do anything wrong, though she now has a podcast called De-Influencing. <laughs> It's scary how followers cannot separate influencers from the brand they have created for themselves and their full-time jobs. I definitely love to follow people and influencers, you included, for inspiration, recommendations, and connection, but I can't tell you the last time I actually bought something from a sponsored post or affiliate link because one, I'm trying to only spend on necessities, the economy is fucked right now and shit is expensive. Two, I totally understand that influencers are influencing as a means of profit and I have a concept of marketing and understand what's actually going on, what influencing means. Three, I just turned 30 and don't want to buy a lip product because Haley fucking Bieber created it. All that to say, I'm not trying to shit on anyone who is making money from influencing. It's honestly a great marketing tool that leads to profit and growth for one's brand. And I support those out there putting themselves in a vulnerable, vulnerable state to do so. I'm just confused as to why so many followers are just aimless drones and believe everything they hear and what, want whatever their favorite influences have and are using just because they feel like they have to. Um, and then she says, I absolutely love following you for your personality, humor, recommendations, and daily videos of you and Zach and the dogs. My boyfriend and I have listened to many That's What He Said episodes while making the drive from Denton to Denver and we love y'all. I trust what you say because I know you're an actual great human being with emotions and compassions for others. Oh, thanks, girl. And I support you in your journey. I just wonder how long this trend of social media influencing, de-influencing, and marketing tactics will be able to sustain this kind of growth and how long until people call bullshit on the big guys. Thank you for letting me share my thoughts with you. Wishing you all the best. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, uh, I'm laughing because... I feel seen, heard, understood. I don't know. But reading that email was a relief for me in a lot of ways. So here are my thoughts. I can't sit here and tell you why these girls have such massive followings because nothing, and I mean nothing, appeals to me about them. I find them all to be the exact same. Uh, totally unoriginal, cookie cutter, basic, pretty much all just regurgitating the same shit all the time. They stand for nothing I stand for. And because I was pretty up close and personal in the influencer scene while working at Reward Style here in Dallas, where kind of like the influencer shit started, I know how much of it is total fucking bullshit. <laughs> and you know, it's not all their fault. Like the Danny Austins of the influencing world, 
I think, had access to social media way too young. Like they were on Instagram in college and creating YouTube channels from their dorm rooms. Do you know what I was doing in college? I'll tell you. I was drinking every night. I was figuring out how to lose my virginity before I graduated. And I was freaking out whether or not if cum that was on your stomach that dripped down to your vagina could impregnate you or not. Okay? Like that's what I was doing in college. The extent of my social media usage in college were literally the OG Facebook statuses that kept things very simple. Like Emma is at the library. Emma is excited for the weekend. But this throng of girls had their brains infiltrated with the opportunity for, let's call it pseudo fame, way too young. So it's like they came out of collegiate life, iPhones ablazing, ready to have their 15 minutes. And then with the launch of Reward Style, which is like the premier affiliate linking platform, and I use it, they realized that they could make money off of shilling goods without even having a blog or a landing page of their own. So they were the start of what I like to call Instagram influencers. Before them is when the OG fashion bloggers really shined. Like my two very good friends, Amy Jackson and Merritt Beck. And they're like basically the only true uh, influencers, fashion influencers that I follow. And these were girls with a true passion for fashion and styling. And they wanted to find a way to share it all online and have this creative space. And then when it became monetizable via affiliate links, that was like the best moment ever for them because they were true influencers sharing their findings and ideas about something that they were so passionate about with an audience and then finally getting compensated for it after you know working at it for a while. They didn't uh, ride the coattails of their aggressively mediocre and kind of creepy brother or their mom who literally sold handbag dupes out of her house in Dallas. Like I went there. My mom found out about this house in Dallas that sold dupe handbags and I was there. And the mom was so excited when she found out that I too was a blogger and did I know her daughter and I should check her out. And I immediately left and checked her out and was like, absolutely fucking not. Let me backtrack a second and say that reward style is very, very incredible for fashion, beauty, lifestyle bloggers, all of that. Like, it's amazing that its founder found a way to get monetized for influencing clothing sales because that's literally why it was created. So, you know, OG bloggers were essentially like glorified shop girls who spent hours with you virtually in store helping you find a new spring wardrobe but not getting any commission for it and reward style came in and made that a very real possibility and it's done a lot of good for a lot of people who use it the right way but just like with any good thing others come in and spoil it by using it in the wrong way and that's where the whole topic of de-influencing has come to life lately from my pov i think The first thing that these influencers did was come in and ruin authenticity for what it really means. 
when Instagram evolved and started offering stories as a more in the moment way to connect, I feel like people immediately took advantage of it. And look, I'm I know that I'm not entirely innocent of that type of shit, but that's not because I'm manipulative or malicious or I had ulterior motives. It's because I would post oversharing type of shit years ago because I was immature and desperate for answers and validation of all these emotions that I was feeling. But new age influencers, I think that's what I'll continue to call them, came in and took that authenticity and turned it into toxic vulnerability. Like I remember several years ago, right after I went to the house with the Dupan bags um, and said influencer was, I think at around like 150,000 followers, which are you kidding? Like that is so many fucking followers. I would die to have that many people who genuinely liked me and but it wasn't enough for her. And I remember her posting videos crying about her growth and feeling like a failure and freaking out about money and how she couldn't make enough of it with such a small following. And oh my God, like it's just so ridiculous compared to where she is now. And like probably a lot of us at the time realized it for what it was, which is that toxic vulnerability, but others saw it as her being real and authentic. And oh my God, her retainer talks are so funny and real. Wow, please. So I think that that's where everything began is with that toxic vulnerability. And I actually found a really great article about it. And I just want to read you this one part that says, the state of mental health in the world right now is very unsettled. That said, too many people are being fake as fuck when it comes to sharing who they are and being vulnerable. There is a strange movement happening and leaders are sharing things for the wrong reasons. I continually see people who are crying on camera about things that realistically probably don't matter because they know that the right number of tears at the right time of day equals more likes, more followers, and more attention. I feel like this is very similar to the idea of chasing the dragon and that dopamine hit is as powerful as any drug. Leveraging people's lives for likes is toxic vulnerability. If you are creating something to share with the world only for the purpose that it will create an emotional reaction so that you can gain traction, then you are part of the problem. We must create with purpose. And also, I just think that like social media itself is pretty unnatural because it's already a highlight reel, but like especially influencers who literally as this girl wrote in the email are posting all day every day so many stories so many videos that's not normal it's not natural we as people were not built to all have our own fucking mini tv shows going for 24 hours a day on loop like there's nothing authentic about that like just the fact that the camera is always on in some of these people's lives it's like of course this shit is staged of course it is like oh my god it's just uh, I know that I'm getting like completely off topic you guys I just clearly I have I have a lot of thoughts about the entire influencer scene and like this is why like I don't want to be referred to as an influencer because really at the end of the day I'm not 
I'm not a true influencer. I don't make my entire living off of affiliate links and influencing and brand partnerships and all of that. So I really don't even think that you can categorize me as that. Like I just I'm just like your friend online who <laughs> finds some really cute overalls or like has a great target haul and she wants to share those things with you every now and again, you know. Um so I'm going to try not to digress. It's just it's just really hard cuz I have a lot of things to say. And also I'm tired of not saying them. Like I'm just it's so funny because it was such a like catch 22 thing for me with even working out reward style because a part of me had always wanted to be like had always wanted to basically turn into an Instagram account that made fun of influencers. But then once I was at reward style, I couldn't do that. I couldn't do that shit anymore. Like I had played around with stuff like that on my blog for years. But when I like was thinking of maybe making that my shtick, I took a job at the most prominent affiliate link company ever. And so I couldn't. And, you know, I'm coming up on three years of working for myself. And it's like just now hitting me like I can talk about this stuff now. Like, it's okay. I'm I can share my thoughts and opinions because I'm I'm so far removed from it. And so it just kind of feels good to like have this conversation and like, get things out and I don't mean to be like super cynical but at the same time like I've been on the front line so yeah like at the end of the day I just think that most of this stuff is just fucking bullshit I know how much of a pissing contest it is and just everyone wanting the engagement and the constant reassurance and validation and all of it and obviously you guys know that that's something that I've struggled with as well but it's so weird that I'm talking about all this right now because my tattoo that I got literally like the message of it has so much to do with everything I'm talking about when it comes to like authenticity and not being toxic and just being entirely yourself no matter if that means seven people get you or a million people get you to just always stay true to yourself even if that means living on the peripheral and living kind of outside of the box and maybe feeling insecure or vulnerable about that sometimes that you're weird or different or unlikable like my tattoo is stands to serve as a reminder that you always want to be above the curve no matter what that looks like or if uh, no one gets it anyway to go back to de-influencing it's like I was saying like there are so many amazing things that you can do when you kind of when you have that following and you have that kind of power I guess and then also the ability to monetize things but yeah, like uh, the majority of these new age influencers have completely taken advantage of the system. And uh, yeah, they are the ones that are just like so money hungry and are linking a thousand different things all the time. You have no idea really whether or not they truly like them, if it's like a shtick, if it's not. They are, you know, 
They're not so much about like investing in yourself and making smart decisions and buying things that you're going to have for a while. It's just like they're, they just want those commissions. I think that that is true for so many of them. And, you know, I can say too that having had a couple of brand partnerships or whatever, like that were short lived, like all of my one off things, like it's, and I like fucking hate to say this and I hate to admit it, but like most of it has been bullshit. Like besides like Papa John's and like a few of the things that I've gotten from Somersault that I truly, really love. It's like all of the one-off things that I've done in the past, like I don't use those products anymore. You know, like they paid well and I liked the product enough to do, you know, a quick one-off sponsored thing with them. But at the end of the day, it just like all felt very, very inauthentic. And, you know, what this girl wrote in the email, like she's not wrong. Like this influencing is a very real way to have a lucrative business and like make money off of essentially like having good taste. But I just think something like really important to keep in mind in general is like when you see these accounts that have millions of followers and like hundreds of thousands of followers, you need to keep in mind, everyone needs to keep in mind that you don't know these people I mean even like me like I know that a lot of you guys feel like you know we'd be best friends in real life and you feel like you really know me which like honestly I've been told by so many fucking people that I really truly am like what you see on Instagram is what you get in real life like there are no facades I am who I am period I I haven't taken on like like a online persona by any means I haven't you know decided this is my niche 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 whatever I fucked this up last time I said it and I'm gonna like really lean heavily into this like that's it's not who I am so yes what you see is what you get but I think for like accounts that are way bigger than mine you don't really know that person like they are showing you what they want you to know even if like it may come off like they're being so real and so authentic and you know how can it not all be so real because the camera is basically on 24 7 I just don't think that you can ever really fully trust it when someone is that massive because being that big of a presence and having that big of a following and having that much money makes people fucking weird and like very uncomfortably out of touch, truly. I mean, and that's not reserved just for like celebrities or, you know, incredible best in their sport athletes. Like those two groups, yes, are just as fucking weird when it comes to their popularity and fame. But the same goes for really big Instagram accounts it's just like uh, they're so out of touch and then you see how many followers they have and people who like go to bat for them and then you realize that everyone's out of touch and it's just a big fucking mess to speak to this woman's email that she sent me the ugly kind of elitist truth is that most people are aimless drones most people just want to belong 
and they'll do pretty much anything so they do or at least feel like they do. They want to stay in a space where it's comfortable, where no envelopes are pushed, where everyone likes the same things and has the same thoughts and ideas, where, you know, they're not challenged, but rather just entertained. It's like this thing that's instilled in so many people to just want to be a part of the popular crowd or at least adjacent to it. And so they'll adhere however they need so that they're included to feel like they're in on a big inside joke, but really they don't even know what the joke is. And I know for a fact, if you are listening to this podcast right now and you are already a podcast listener and you've been following me and hanging out with me for years, you are not an aimless drone. I know that to be true because I'm not. I know that to some people, I'm very much an acquired taste. And so that makes you as a listener even more special to me because it means that you truly, really get it. Like I'm sure that there's pretty much zero crossover between my followers and someone like Danny Austin's followers. Like I would be absolutely fucking floored if anyone is simultaneously a huge Emma Thing fan and a huge Danny Austin fan. Like I don't think that's a universe that exists. Those events are the definition of mutually exclusive. I feel like I've been all over the place and haven't really truly answered anything this woman asked me in her email. And that's on me for not like sitting down and writing a script before recording this. I think a script would have been very helpful for this episode. But I'm hoping that you guys are hearing what I'm saying. As someone on the peripheral of the influencing industry, I find 95% of it to be toxic, annoying, and trite as fuck. So... I'm all for de-influencing in the right way. Like don't tell people to get XYZ just because you make 10% commission off of it when you don't actually believe in it. Don't encourage people to lean in so heavily to fast fashion and buy, 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 buy. I don't think that's good for anyone. You know, have, have some integrity. Be choosier about what you claim to be obsessed with and also while we're at it let's come up with a new word for obsessed and definitely not by any means under any circumstances do not make de-influencing about you don't view it as another brand opportunity don't use it as a podcast name and try and trademark the term for your own business gains and end up bastardizing a movement that some people have worked really hard to create and you've clearly misunderstood all right guys i feel like i'm so in the weeds on this topic and have no idea what the fuck i just said for the last however many minutes so i'm gonna sign off for the week Um, But be sure to tune in next week because next week I'm going to have my friend on who decided very late into her career that she wanted to completely shift gears career-wise and went back to school so she could do that. And I love her story and I think that a lot of you will probably find it incredibly inspiring and just really awesome to hear of someone doing that in their mid-30s. It's going to be a good one, but until then, have a great weekend and have a great 
life until next week. Bye.